0: The Millennial Way, a podcast made for the on the go millennial,
1: giving you tips and advice on how to up level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's The Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to the Millennial Way. I don't have any wine next to me, actually, this time. I got just some water. <laughs> just a little bit of water. But I did have some gla- some glasses of wine at dinner tonight. Had a red Pinot from Northern California. It's right outside Sonoma. And, I mean, guys, it's funny because, you know, I love, like I said, I love red wine. So I had to get a red Pinot. And Pinot is honestly... Pinot Grigio, that is, is honestly one of my favorite wines just because of how smooth it is. And when you're able to get a solid red Pinot, I mean, guys, I paid like eight bucks a glass for this one, so it really wasn't that bad, especially in terms of like wine in Seattle. Shoot, like it's just ridiculously expensive out here. I'm not even going to dive into that. But however, get yourself some red Pinot. It's super smooth. It's really, really light. And honestly, it's easy on the stomach, which is why I really like it too. But with that being said, we have my boy, my guy. I've known this guy since I was like, I don't know, five, six, seven years old. But my guy, Kyle Sloter, who's a quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings coming on today. And guys, y'all, I mean, Kyle's got one hell of a journey, to be honest with you guys. He has battled through adversity. He's switched schools while he was in college and not to mention he actually played receiver for 3 years while he was in college, only played quarterback in college for 1 year on the Division 1 FCS level, and now this man is I mean playing in the NFL as an NFL quarterback. So I mean, so y'all tell me what's going to happen on this crazy journey that we're going to have on today's podcast. Anyways, let's get into this interview. I'm I'm way too excited to hear Kyle's journey.
0: Kyle, thank you so so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you on the millennial way. And as every follower knows, you are like a legend in terms of breaking barriers and just making sure that your goals are really truly at the forefront of everything that you do. And when I look at like your career and your journey all the way to the Vikings, I think about all of the craziness that kind of went on throughout your journey, starting from high school through college and all of just the, the, things that would make a lot of people quit ended up from what I think gave you a little bit of motivation. So, Kyle, with that yep. being said, could you tell us a little bit about about your journey on how you ended mm-hmm. up on the, on the Vikings? I mean, shoot, a playoff team.
2: Yeah, so uh, my journey is kind of a unique one. Thanks for having me, by the way. Um, kind of a unique story. Um, you know, I, I definitely didn't have one of the conventional methods of uh, getting to the NFL or uh, being a professional athlete i uh i guess i'll kind of start in high school um give you a short rundown of that so i yeah. went to a really small high school uh graduated with like 63 people um ended up making the decision to go there just because i felt like it would give me a chance to play both basketball and football um where is that yeah. milton we missed you at milton you- by the way
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well yeah so i i'm definitely miss you guys for sure i mean that was where all my friends were it was, uh, it was a tough decision for me to make um and it's also tough as a competitor to feel like you're going down a level um you know in order to play it, it doesn't really
0: sure you
2: know if it, anyone who's truly competitive wants to play at the highest level so you know that was something that kind of bugged me going from a five or six a school to a one a school so yeah um, i understand you know, that. I, I, yeah, so I, I fought that stigma, um, you know, but I, I also wanted to play really early and play both sports, and I didn't know which one I wanted to play at the time, whether it be football or basketball. I was still kind of growing into my body and didn't know, you know, what my path would be, whether it, you know, be basketball or football. So I yeah. um, went to Mount Pisgah and uh, started playing right away as a freshman, and uh, there wasn't a, a ton of competition uh, for either of my positions. Uh, like I said, it, it was a smaller school, but I, uh, adversity kind of first struck me when I tore my meniscus my sophomore year. Um, it wasn't too, too bad. I missed like four games. It was an arthroscopic surgery. Um, they just went in, clipped it out. I was good to go after, I don't know, the, the four weeks or whatever it was. Um, got back yeah, to playing, yeah. finished up, uh, played like whatever it was, six games. Um, So that summer uh, going into my junior year, your junior year is the one where you really want to get recruited. You want to get on college's radar and all that kind of stuff. So um, That's kind of like your big shot, right? Exactly. So like that's kind of the time where you um, get on everyone's radar Uh, and you go to a bunch of camps and you go to, um, you know, visits and meet coaches and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm yep. uh, in the summer going into my junior year, and I tear my meniscus on my left side, the lateral or the medial meniscus uh, on my left knee. Oh, my God. And it was um, more serious, uh, you know, as far as I, I didn't have any ligament damage. But as far as meniscus go, it was the worst one that you could have. Um, so it, it was kind of in pieces. So I could either have it all the pieces taken out, and play right away, and they told me that I'd probably have a degenerative knee in, you know, probably five to ten years, or they could try to mm-hmm. repair, like, the three pieces that it was in. So it, it had a low success rate. It was, like, 35%, but my dad wanted to take the chance, and, uh, you know, me as a competitor, I was, okay. like, take it out, and let's get going again because it's, like, a week-long recovery if they take it out. So yeah. um, on the other hand, if they repair it, it's six months. So that was going into i think i was going to miss like 6 or 7 games of my junior year which is
0: huge That's
2: a lot. so yeah especially the, when it's yeah. your big
0: time to get on everybody's radar
2: exactly so for the recruiting process you know that that really put me behind the eight ball um didn't get recruited at all um then you know everyone colleges kind of look at your numbers at that point and then they decide whether they want to come out and or not. Well, I didn't have the numbers to stand on. So uh, I'm going into my senior year, and I had this uh, profile, this scouting profile that was called NCSA. Um, mm-hmm. Going into my senior year because we were trying to do anything to get me recruited, and I uh, it, it was a website that showed you um, it, it had like a directory of all the coaches' phone numbers. So okay. I my dad came to me and was like, you got to go through and call every single one of these guys. And, you know, being a 17 year old, I don't really want to call Nick Saban. And, you know, it's terrifying <laughs> to me. So, um, it's intimidating. I, I, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm, uh, about a month goes by. My dad comes to me again. He's like, how many coaches you call? I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, that's, that's terrifying. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself out there like that. And, you know, he kinda gave me the whole dad talk and you know, I'm I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I'm I'm not getting recruited, like, what do I have to lose? Like the worst thing they can do to me is say no. So I sat down mm-hmm. and I called, I think at the time there were hundred and twenty eight division one football schools and on my hundred and twenty seventh, uh, I got through to a guy that said that he would come watch me play. So it was that two oh, lane. Wow. Yeah, so I got through all of them. All of them just kind of brushed me off, told me no. I had one guy answer my phone call and, like, talk to me for more than a minute and told me he'd come out to a game Um, and came to, like, the third game of my senior year, offered me a scholarship to University of Tulane. Um, I committed there in, like, the next, like, three or four weeks, just wanted to, you know, I had one I didn't want someone else to commit and then be like, "Hey, we're we're done." So, you know, the the yeah, whole absolutely. waiting game is for guys with multiple offers. So, I had one. So, I was like, "Hey, let's let's do this thing." So, I uh took the offer to Tulane and the very next day, uh Bob Toledo, the head coach there, got fired. So, they called me up oh and God. told me that they're not going to honor my scholarship. Um and that, you know, basically now I'm I'm out of the scholarship. So, uh, about oh, three, yeah, three months later, uh, Ricky Bustle gets the offensive coordinator job at Southern Mississippi and offers me there. Like two weeks before signing day, um, you know I'm ecstatic. Like I go from thinking that you know I I'm, I'm, don't have an offer to I've got Southern Miss now. So and Southern Miss was just yeah. ranked 16th in the nation. So yeah,
0: they're playing really well.
2: Yeah, so they they were playing great, and you know I was really excited to be on a. I went from Tulane, who wasn't a football school, to Southern Miss, who just won Conference USA, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." So, go to Southern Miss, and my freshman year I redshirted, um, and we went zero and twelve. So we went from twelve or thirteen and two to zero and twelve. So I had the worst football season ever, like it, in the history of Southern Miss, uh, in the history of NCAA. Um, you know, we were tied with like six other teams that had gone to twelve or whatever it was. So Yeah. You know, not not quite the season that we wanted. Um, I go into Ellis Johnson's office who is the head coach at Southern Myth at the end of the year for my exit interviews, and he's like, Hey, I want you to come back here with the mindset that you're gonna start because we had a senior graduate, uh, one of the freshmen that I came in with got kicked out of school. Um, another kid yeah. tours ATL, um, so I was, like, their guy, and they had recruited me. Like, I was, I was really happy leaving that meeting. Well, I'm walking down the hallway, and the athletic director is walking in to fire Ellis Johnson. So that coaching staff <laughs> gets fired. Yeah, so that coaching staff gets fired. They bring in Todd Munkin from Oklahoma State, and he, for one reason or another, he didn't really – like me he didn't really give me a chance uh in terms of liking me um you know he brought in I I think I was the starter in the spring um I was one of two quarterbacks it was me and a walk-on and I'm a redshirt freshman like 18 years old thinking I'm gonna be the starter and then we go into summertime they bring in a transfer from California senior transfer I'm thinking like all right, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is that he's probably going to play and then I'll play my sophomore year. So, you know, if if things, if worse comes to worse. Well, I show up, they go and get all their recruits and whatnot, and I come back for fall training camp, and I'm anticipating being like, I'm going to compete for number one, maybe number two. I'm the fourth string quarterback behind Alan Bridgeford, who's the senior transfer and two, uh f- true freshmen that he brought in in his signing class.
0: Oh, so my I didn't so this guy him. this guy recruited and stuck with his guys from from day one it sounds yes. like.
2: Yes. So day one didn't even get a chance and i had already been there for a year so he's putting brand new true freshmen fresh out of high school in front of me. So I'm four string quarterback so I'm sitting there like, "Well, let me go play wide receiver." So I asked him that, mm-hmm. you know, after probably two or three weeks of training camp wasn't getting any time and you know, he sat there and laughed at me, um, which I don't know that I expected. But I guess I, you know, he, he put me at receiver, said we'll see how you do, Man. and you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't the best at first, but you know, I worked my butt off and ended up starting six games for him that year. And um, okay. you know, it was
0: mostly due to injury. Proved him wrong. Um, not, you said what? I said you proved him wrong. He probably regretted laughing at you once you <laughs> now that after you started playing a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, so I, me and the quarterback weren't really on the same page. You know, he, one reason oh, yeah. or another, he didn't really like me. So he didn't really throw my way. So I caught like six balls. So, okay. you know, not a whole lot to show for it. Um, And I, and I was playing, I started those games due to like an injury or two or whatever it was. So okay. it wasn't I gotcha. so much, it wasn't so much out of like, you know, it, talent. So I played in six games or whatever, and, you know, I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to be able to go back to quarterback. Well, you know, the Allen Bridgeford didn't pan out, so they went with one of those freshman guys, and he ended up starting for four years. So, you know, I was kind of stuck at wide receiver. Well, they moved me the following spring to – so that season goes by. I'm now going into my redshirt sophomore year. Um yep. And – Uh, I get moved to tight end for the spring. So I'm playing tight end. It's not really my cup of tea. They got me, you know, cracking back on defensive ends, and they're blowing me up. And I'm 215 pounds, and these guys are 260, and they're trying to get me up to 240-ish, and I just can't really carry the weight. So um, they put me through that for the whole spring. Then they moved me back to receiver, and I'm like a third-string receiver again for my registered sophomore year. and um got probably I think I started like three more games or something like that um had like four catches for like 30 yards or something like that so still not much to show for it um Mm -hmm. and so you know I'm I'm finally after that season I'm thinking well all the guys that were ahead of me have now graduated and I go into that spring going into my junior year that spring practice I'm starting so I'm really excited about it and you know I'm I'm pretty realistic. Like I wasn't the best receiver. So I wasn't, I didn't really have NFL dreams at receiver. Like I didn't think that that was necessarily my calling. I was just excited to get to play at the college level and thought maybe it was my time. So, you know, I, I go through spring and do okay. And it's finals week, the coach, I get a call from coach and he says that uh, he needs to see me ASAP. So, that's your heart starts beating 3000 miles a minute. And I walk into his office and he sits me down he's nice to me, which he's never nice to me. So I'm like, what, what the heck's going on? Asking me about my finals yeah, going on? blah, blah, blah. And sits me down. He's like, well, there's no easy, way to, easy way to say it, but we're taking your scholarship. Um, I need to go get guys that are going to help us play and you're not good enough to help us anymore. So, um, Wow. Yeah, so I mean that that was really tough for me. Like I, I'm not too proud to admit that I shed a tear or two right there. Um, you know, it was it was tough. Yeah, man. So to hear that you're not good enough is um, when you put so much time and effort into it is really it's it's heartbreaking. So um,
0: it absolutely you know is. And, I'll,
2: I'll and you you. Yeah. So I I, you know, I was I was only 3 hours away from graduating at that point. Like I was in my red shirt sophomore year, were there all summer taking classes and all that kind of stuff. So I was 3 hours away from graduating with a degree in finance and it takes my scholarship yeah. and at that moment I had kind of a choice like do I want to pay for the 3 hours which is like I don't know, it probably would have been like 3 grand out of pocket for living expenses yeah. and whatever it was which isn't terrible. Um, you know, you come away in debt, $3,000 that you can pay off in like a month or month and a half, whatever it is with your job. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not, not too, too bad, but so I had that option, which I was seriously considering, or I was like, do I continue playing football? Like, I don't know if anyone will take me. I don't have a ton of film. So, you know, I was, I was close to just, you know, finishing out school, but something in me wouldn't let me quit. You know, I, I didn't want Munkin to. Make me a quitter. You know, I'd I'd never really quit anything in my life. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what, I've got two you, more
0: years.
2: Of, oh, go ahead.
0: C- keep going. I just want you to oh, articulate thought, a little bit more on what kind of made you want to like want to continue playing football, right? Like f- what I hear from you is like your high in high school, you hurt your meniscus, both meniscus meniscus. Yeah um yeah. you know you you had to call 200 coaches almost to finally get that one coach to come offer for you you got the chance yeah. and then it seemed like almost everything was up against you right coach gets fired coach yeah. gets fired move positions like honestly kyle like i don't know if i would have continued playing football after that like what was it something inside you that was just like you know what like i'm going to prove all these people wrong or was it like i'm doing this for myself like like can you articulate it on that just a little bit
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think it was probably a bunch of different things. I think that, you know, growing up, um, my parents never, like, whatever I started, like, I always finished. Whether, like, in kindergarten, I played football, and I hated it. And because, mm-hmm. like, my mom would come home crying every day saying, like, he's not playing football anymore. And my dad's like, yes, he is. He's not, he's not quitting. He started. He's going to finish it. So that's just, that was my mindset with that. Mm-hmm. My whole life, like I, j- I just never quit anything, so I didn't really have it in me. I think once you quit something, it becomes easier and easier to give up on things. And I think the more time and effort you put into something, if your if your heart is really in something, that when like adversity strikes, you're not going to quit as easily. Like if you put all your time and effort into something, when things get tough, you're going to fight for it. And um you know, I just remember I remember being a younger kid and seeing guys you know, either get in trouble or at college, like looking up to them and seeing them quit or get in trouble or whatever it was. And it was, it was kind of heartbreaking to me. So I I just kind of remember that feeling and like I have a little brother. So, um, you know, I, I just didn't want to let anybody down. I didn't want to have that label on me. I didn't want anyone looking at me saying like, you know, and and odds are that, you know, most people it's, sad to say it, but most people, when things get tough, they give up and nobody thinks twice about it. But I just didn't have that vision of myself. So like,
0: yeah, you know, whether that people are going to talk
2: yeah. about it or not, like, I just didn't want someone to say, well, you quit football or you didn't finish or, you know, whether I didn't play a single snap of football ever again, cause it wasn't promised. I just didn't want to give up. So like I spent the next I don't know, probably two months reaching out to doing the same thing, sending all my tape, all my, anything that I had to every single FCS school. So one double A. Okay. Um, so I would be immediately eligible because I had two years left. I didn't want to sit out my junior year. Um, so I I looked into, it really came down to three schools, um, Gardner-Webb, Um, Samford and Northern Colorado. I think I ended up having like six or seven FCS offers, but six of them were for wide receiver. And then Northern Colorado was the only one that told me we'll take you as a quarterback. So I go out to Northern Colorado and, you know, thinking I'm going to be a quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get there and they don't have any scholarship money for me until August. And I got there in like May. So I've got, I don't have any money. Like I'm a, poor college kid my parents think that i have money for like scholarship money to live and all that kind of stuff and i didn't so i didn't have the heart to tell them like hey i need money to do this so like i slept on a friend's basement floor for three months or whatever it was um until that money came in uh so i slept on like an air mattress and all that kind of stuff and just you know they they brought me meals from uh the cafeteria like they would take to-go boxes and stuff and all that kind of stuff so cuz I was literally running on zero uh for money so um wow did that scholarship check uh eventually came through I go into training camp and um I I'm, I'm a quarterback for 2 weeks and they moved me to wide receiver for no reason. Oh. Just showed up one day and they're like, "Hey, we're going to try you out at wide receiver." And their intention all along was just to get me to sign the papers over going to another school and then move me to wide receiver. So okay. I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I'm I'm right back in the place where I started, like, I mean I guess I have scholarship money, whatever, and I'll I'll probably end up playing a little bit more. So I was disappointed but I was still optimistic. Well the season comes around and I played zero snaps. Like at Southern Miss, Division One school, I was getting at least like seven, eight snaps a game, which isn't a ton when you think like there might be. Yeah, six, but you're still seeing a field on offense, but I was still on, like I was still playing. Um, I go to Northern Colorado, I dropped down a level and I'm, I didn't play, didn't touch the field one time. And when that season ended and I went to my car, I sat in the parking lot and I just cried for like 30 minutes. I was like, I just wasted so much time. I I could have had a job. I could have finished school. So, and that's another thing. When I transferred, I lost 45 hours of credits.
0: Oh, my Um, Lord. So that's like another year of of school?
2: Exactly. So, (laughs) and in order to be eligible for my senior year, you have to have 90% of your degree completed, and I was sitting at like 75 or whatever it was. So Mm -hmm. I, instead of, so I'm going into my senior year, and they're telling me that, We're going to let you compete for quarterback, which the incumbent guy that was a freshman kind of same situation. They had a freshman quarterback in Northern Colorado they really liked. He's going to be a sophomore. And, you know, I'm going to be a senior. Like, there's no way that they kind of just told me they're going to let me compete, but they weren't really planning on like me playing at quarterback. So I didn't get to go to spring ball because I had to take 20 hours of classes in order to be eligible for my, uh, senior year. And then Mm -hmm. in the summertime, I couldn't be there during summer workouts because I had to come back to Atlanta to do an internship, um, for a job that was offered to me once I graduated. So that was another requirement to have the 90% completed. So I came back here, I missed all of spring, all of summer, um, when you're trying to compete for a job. Um, so it just doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't really, help your case or your cause when you're not there.
0: So yeah, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage for missing that.
2: I, yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I show up to uh fall camp and I I felt like I did okay or no. So let me backtrack a little bit. So I finished that internship and you know, I'm all I've got to do really is, I mean, once I finish the internship, I've graduated. So mm-hmm. I, I sat down and I thought about it and I was like, man, like I'm done with school. Like I've got this job offer on the table. I don't have to go back for the fall. Like I'm, I'm good. And you know, I, I tried it again and it didn't work out and you know, it's, it just isn't meant to be. So I, I had my phone in my hand. I was going to call my coach and be like, Hey coach, I'm not coming back. I'm um, just going to call it quits uh, and you know, take a job. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't do it right there. I went to sleep. I wanted to sleep on it and I woke up and I was like, I can't do it. Like I I gotta go back. So I went back and competed in fall or in the training camp, fall training camp before my senior year and lost. So at that point I probably lost like four quarterback battles or whatever. And, um, so I'm I'm back, I'm like a wide receiver, like splitting time, so hopefully going to get more time, more of a role, and a backup quarterback. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I guess I'm, I'm finally backup quarterback, like I've waited four years to be the number two quarterback, so, you know, never really got an opportunity. Um... So I'm the backup quarterback. We go into our first game, and they told me that I was probably going to play the whole second half at quarterback because we were playing a division two II or three school, and we're hopefully going to blow them out, and that's what we did. So uh, first half, I think we're beating them like forty to nothing or whatever it was, and they put me in. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to play because I hadn't played quarterback in forever. So you know, I my very first play was a bootleg, fake the ball, uh, fake the right side, roll to the left. Um, and I've got a guy wide open on the sideline, and I want to throw the over route because I'm I'm like I've been waiting four years to
0: to fricking <laughs> throw the
2: to throw the ball. So I'm like I'm going. Yeah, to bomb
0: so, this bad boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I throw it, and it the linebacker falls off on it, picks it, and goes for six. So my very first pass of my college career was a pick six. And I think I finished that game 0-for-1, um, handed the ball off the rest of the time. Coach was really upset because oh, I think we ended up being like 47 to like 20 or something like that because, like, uh, he was upset at me because he felt like I let him get back in the game.
0: So I yeah, understood.
2: You know, I, yeah, so I, I was first one of the showers. I was beating myself up pretty bad and, you know, pretty upset and, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but I kind of had just this—I had this moment where I was like, "If I'm ever put into a situation where I have to play again, I'm going to be ready." So I yeah. studied my studied my butt off. I think I put in like ten to fifteen hours of extra film watching on the next team, and I'm thinking like, "I'm probably never going to play, but if I ever get to throw the ball again in a game, I want to be ready." So we go to Abilene Christian for our second game and I'm sitting there and um, I'm sitting there with my receiver gloves on the sideline and very first play of the second game, our left guard lets a defensive lineman through. He picks up our quarterback and slams him on the ground. And um, You know, I'm sitting there like, man, this, they they told me to warm up and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm really, I might be going in here. So, Call timeout. They get him off the field. Um, he walks off. Uh, I go in. My very first pass goes for a touchdown. So I'm, like, super Let's excited. Go. Yeah, so it was, like, second play of the game. Like, I'm super excited. Throw uh, a fade for a touchdown or whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm getting high fives from everybody. I'm, like, man, I can walk away from the game now. I, I put everything I had into it, and I scored yeah. a touchdown or threw a touchdown, and now, like, it's a good ending for me. You know, I I have no mm-hmm. stats. Like, at least I can say I threw a touchdown. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, this guy's going to be coming back out um, to play and blah, blah, blah. and We get the ball back, and they tell me, second drive's yours. So I go back out there, and the guy's still hurt. And I think that they're still just checking them over there, which you know everyone's looking at them, blah blah blah. And I go back out there, I throw the next pass for like thirty yards, and then my third pass goes for a touchdown. So I've got no, I'm but, getting
0: hyped. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I've I've got two touchdowns, um, and there, we're halfway through the third or the first quarter. Um, got two touchdowns on my two drives, and now I'm, like, really happy. I'm like, man, this is great. Now I can really walk in, away from the game with my head held high. Like, I threw two touchdowns. I'm three for three. Um, You know, this is great. So yeah. I come back off, and I'm thinking this guy's going back in at some point, and they tell me that he broke his collarbone and his shoulder blade, So, like, his whole shoulder on his throwing arm was completely screwed up. So wow. they told me it's it's your game. So I go back out there for the third drive and throw another touchdown. And I've got three touchdowns at the end of the first quarter, and I think I was like nine for nine for like 150 yards. So we get the go out there for the next drive, throw another touchdown. Next drive, throw another touchdown. We've got five passing touchdowns by halftime. And this is like oh, a close a game. Like it's, like, it's like 30 to 35. So halftime – um, you know, I've got five touchdowns or whatever. And I think I ended the game with eight touchdowns and one, I think I was like 35 for like 40 for eight touchdowns, no interceptions, perfect quarterback rating. And
0: one national player. of the week. that defense. Oh, let's yeah. go, Kyle. Let's go. After all so, of that, finally, it's like you get that national player of the week on the second game because you put that dang work in. keep going. I'm hyped. Yeah, so I, uh,
2: you know, after that I started getting a little, a tiny bit of recognition from, um, like, agents and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, played really well the rest of the season. Uh, Last game of the year, um, finished with uh, seven touchdowns and one national player of the week again. Um, And I think I finished the year uh, breaking 16 school records, that had been standing for, like, 30 years, like, season records. Wow. And, um, you know, I I think I had, like, 35 touchdowns in 10 games and, um, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, I I had a a good senior year. Yeah, so I I had a good senior year and um, got some cool accolades from my school at, like, the the sports banquet or whatever, like, the all sports banquet. And, you know, that that was Mm – that was fun, and I'm sitting there thinking that, you know, I had that job offer again. They offered it to me um, in December. You know, I'm done with school, and I'm like, do I take this? And then I've got an agent calling me that's like, give it a chance. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, I went to an FCS school. I played one year. Like, most of the time, guys that make it to the NFL are your guys that go to Georgia for, and start for four years or Alabama or Texas yeah. or wherever it is. I'm like, I, I went to Northern Colorado and played one year, like, you know, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, what's another three months on, you know, the 17 years that I've played football. So I, I decided to go after it and I didn't have any sort of formal training, didn't have money to hire a guy. So and my agent was a small time guy. And so I woke up every morning, ran, lifted, did all my own training um I had a quarterback coach that was doing it just out of the goodness of his heart that i met with met with okay. and um you know it was it was uh it was it was tough i mean it wasn't it wasn't easy going i mean i you look around you've got guys going to exos and like all these different training facilities and spending all this money yeah. that you know guys that are gonna get drafted and all that kind of stuff and i'm you know, I'm sitting there just doing my own stuff. So, you know, I go to Pro Day and I got invited to Colorado's Pro Day, um, which was big because all thirty two scouts were there. And okay. um, you know, on, on my own training I was able to run a a four five nine um and oh, okay. Through the moving. ball yeah. A little bit. And, uh, through the ball, probably the best I ever had. And after that workout, I had like 15 scouts come talk to me and ask me for my number and my agent and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're probably getting to like, I don't know, three weeks before the draft and I'm starting to read about my name and some articles. And, um, I, that day after I did my pro day, I got probably 10 calls from NFL teams doing interviews and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it 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 started to pick up a little bit that's, and then you know
0: that's awesome so that's, i mean you had more nfl teams calling you than you had freaking height like i bet looking uh, back yeah. like every division 1 coach is like how in the hell did i miss kyle sloter you know what i mean Like, <laughs> keep going but Yeah. like that's that's yeah. amazing
2: yeah so i um you know I, I had some people call and you know that felt good and you know we get to uh draft day or whatever. I'd fly back home and move everything out of my house and come back home uh, to spend it with my parents. I didn't know. I didn't have any expectations. Didn't plan on, you know, I, you know, getting drafted would have been awesome. I heard stuff like fifth round at the earliest to, you know, fifth to seventh round and uh
1: free agent yeah. and
2: all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what, whatever happens happens because I'm kind of on God's time right now because, you know, i I've, he's given me more than, you know, I, I could have ever thought was imaginable for a guy that played. You know, I, I was looking at going and being a financial advisor, which is fine. But, you know, I so many things had to fall in place for, you know, this to happen. And, you know, so much adversity yeah. and so much perseverance and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting here with my family and I get a call from the Redskins and they tell me they're going to pick me with their second pick of the fifth round. And the pick comes, and the pick goes. So I'm like, what just happened? Okay. Like, you know, I'd, I'd heard about that, like, happening. And, you know, I you think that that's going to happen, and it doesn't. So that's a little bit of adversity, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm not getting my hopes yeah. up. And I get a call from the Broncos uh, with the – I think there's 10 picks left, and they always do it with, like, a good number of picks um, to go before, you know, you know – uh, where you're going mm-hmm. so they call me and they're like hey we're going to pick you with our last pick of the draft is that cool um, you know because at that point they're asking you like do you want to pick your situation or do you want to come be with us because you can be a free agent and pick your situation well I was like the Broncos yeah. are one of the highest on my I list just because of their quarterback situation and you know I uh, I was really excited I was like let's do this thing so pick comes and the pick goes and they call me back, and they said that. Well, I guess I should say that they called me back like two picks before the last pick, and they said we're we changed our mind. We're going to go with Chad Kelly, out of Ole Miss. I'm like, man, okay. kind of, yeah, it kind of sucks. So, you know, they call me back after the draft's over, and after the draft, you have like ten minutes to pick a, your your future. They're, everyone's filling up okay. fast, so. I got like three calls, um, one from the Broncos again, one from the Redskins again, and I can't remember I think it was the Bills. But okay. the the Redskins were offering like twenty thousand dollars signing bonus, which you know, sounded good to a guy with zeros in his bank account and um Absolutely. you know the the Broncos were offering twenty five hundred dollars. Um so that's kind of a, a big difference. A big um, difference at that yeah, so I'm sitting there like my dad's like, go to the Redskins. Um, I'm pissed off at the Broncos. They didn't take you and they said they were. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to keep a cool head. I'm trying to think about this logically. And I'm like, well, if I go to the Redskins, I'm going to be the fourth string guy. Whereas if I go to the Broncos, Chad Kelly is hurt. And they told me, you're going to be our third string quarterback. So okay, I, I was more so looking at like, It's not about the money, because if I make it on the team, then that's not going to be significant. So I want to give myself the best chance to make it. So I go to the Broncos, and, um, you know, for the time being, I was going to be the third-string quarterback because Chad Kelly had a wrist injury. So Mm -hmm. I signed with the Broncos, and the next day I hear John Elway say that – they're, they've drafted Chad Kelly. We're really excited about him, but he's got the injury. So we're going to bring in a camp arm. And when Chad's ready to go, we're going to let him go. And Chad's going to be our third guy. So I'm like, man, like I just signed to this freaking team. And they're already telling me they're going to cut me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah. You know, how had to hear a lot of the outside noise about making a bad decision and why'd you choose here and this and that. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, I, you know, if I go in there and work hard, then, you know, maybe something will happen, and Chad Kelly's injury took him a little bit longer to recover than they anticipated, and I go in there, I did really well during OTAs for them to invite me back during training camp, and, um, you know, I I go in there during training camp, and Paxton Lynch got hurt, so, you know, I was getting some pretty significant game time, and I step into my first drive with, against the the Chicago Bears, and a fifty-yard touchdown. Um, a
0: freaking dime, off. Kyle. A, a dime. A freaking dime. I remember watching that, and I was like, Kyle, Kyle, that that bad boy was a beauty. That bad boy. Don't, I, I can't it. downplay that pass because that pass. I don't know if I've seen a prettier pass in an NFL game, and I and I'm not saying that just because you're on the line. Like I can vividly remember right over the fifty-yard line. No, it was right down the middle of the freaking. Uh, yeah. Of the of the damn
2: yep, uh, the 50, I can't even yeah. speak right now. It was
0: right down the middle of the field, and you hit somebody. It was a post, wasn't it?
2: It was. Yep. Yep. See. So Keep I, going. Uh, I'm. <laughs> so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that, and you know I'm starting to hear people uh, talk about me a little bit, and go into the next game and do really well, and then the third game throw another touchdown and win the game, and I had like three come from behind wins um, out of the four games, and. Played really well, and I I set a rookie record for um, quarterback rating in the preseason and um, for a a rookie, I should say. So a rookie quarterback rating in the preseason. And um, the the Broncos actually called me, John Elway called me the day before uh, our Thursday game, which is our last preseason game, and said that, you know, Paxton Lynch is hurt. You're our second-string quarterback. You can't put Trevor Simeon in there, Um, so you've got to play the whole game, but you're our second-string guys right now, so you've got to stay healthy. You've already made the team. Just go out there and play, uh, and, you know, you're here. So, you know, I I get a little emotional because I'm like, man, I made an NFL team, and, you know, I tell my parents, and they're emotional, and, you know, it was a great time. And then you go, and I played great in the last game, and John Elway calls me into his office, and, says Brock at the cuts I was the last person to get cut and they called me in and said Brock Osweiler just became available I got to go get him um John Elway takes me down to Mike McCoy's office Mike McCoy's like what's he doing here tells me that they just had a meeting a couple hours earlier you were on our 53-man roster don't go anywhere I'm gonna go talk to him we're gonna get it figured out so I'm sitting there for 15 minutes and I'm like well, I got cut, so I've, I've got to go start fielding calls from people. So I, I get probably five calls of free agents. And um, I think the Falcons were offering uh, a practice squad spot for minimum. Um, I think the Redskins were offering uh, like 20,000 20, or whatever it was. But the Vikings called first and they said, whatever, whatever, um, like come to us with your best offer and we'll beat it. So. You know, the Redskins call and they say they're going to give me 20 a week. So I'm like, okay, let's do that. And I called the Vikings back. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to go with the Redskins. Like, they're doing this and I'm really sorry. And he's like, what are they offering? I said 20. And he goes, "Um, we'll give you 22. So I go to Minnesota for that. And then Sam Bradford gets hurt and Teddy Bridgewater was already hurt. So they had two starters that they had prior um, on the IR. And I'm the yeah. second-string quarterback after week one. So I got activated. I was on a 53-man roster. Um, you know, that was really emotional for me. I was the backup That's quarterback. That's man.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, for, like, 11 games or so. And then um, had to go through it again this year where, you know, you read all the stuff that he was a one-year wonder and um, go on preseason and play well again. And, um, you know, I, I make the team again for the first time, like, the first time instead of getting cut and being brought up and all that stuff. So Vikings yeah. uh, showed that they believed in me and gave me a chance. And, you know, now after, you know, all the doubt and all that kind of stuff, and I guess I should go back, but after the we played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, my coach from Southern Miss, the one that called me in and told me I wasn't good enough, was their offensive coordinator. So we beat them oh, at wow. home. And I was dressed as the backup quarterback and got to walk across the field and shake his hand in an NFL uniform and
0: tell him that I was good enough. <laughs> as a quarterback. And, as a quarterback. Yeah, like, as a quarterback, this man moved you so, to over to wide receiver because he – or actually, you asked yeah. him to move over to wide receiver, and he laughed in your face, and then you you proved his ass yeah. wrong and were like, look, I'm, I'm here, Coach, you, and you have nothing to do with this, right? And not saying that he has nothing yeah. to do with it because – Obviously, like oh, the words did. that he said influenced <laughs> yeah. how he continued to motivate oh, you. Man, but yeah, like,
2: that, sure, yeah. But forget. I mean, I, forget, man, I mean man, other I, other
0: than that, like, forget him.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, man, I and I woke up every single day for three years with. I mean, that that's what got me out of bed when I was running in Colorado by myself, and at 5 a.m. I was like, this guy said that you can't do it, and you've you've got a chance. So I, I did that. I thought about that every single day and I got to shake his hand and he told me he was sorry and that he made a mistake. And, you know, I've, I've let it go, but I still keep that chip on my shoulder. And, you know, it's, it's something that stuck with me for, I think it'll probably stick with me forever is that, you know, whenever someone tells you you're not good enough, at least for me, like, I'm so, I want to prove people and maybe I'm wrong for it, but I want people, I want to prove people wrong more than I want to prove the people that believe in me. Right. So I I may, it might be a character claw on me, but, I
0: uh, I wouldn't I, no I, I wouldn't like say them. that, Kyle. Like I would say everybody has their own motivation and, and whatever it is that drives them, whether it be, you know, the ladder of where you want to prove everybody right or whether you want to prove people wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't think it matters about the fire that lights you. Like that's, that's an internal decision yeah. that, that allows you to become great. Right. Like as a professional yeah. athlete, you're a part of that, like sm- smaller than 1% of all athletes that make it to a professional level. Right. So yeah. from my perspective, I'm like, I I'm inspired by how you get you get inspired and motivated by others, right? Like for me, I might get motivated by, you know, projecting what my future looks like and oh man, I really want my future to look like that. So I'm gonna work as hard yeah. as I can to get that and then obtain that. But what happened for you was you went through so much adversity all the way from like, call it middle school, high school, college, that it inevitably drove you to be the person that you are today and that's a person who I'm proud to be friends with, who I'm proud to be a supporter of. And quite frankly, like hearing you say that, like when you went to Northern Colorado, you said, if I'm ever going to get an opportunity, I'm going to make sure that I could take the bet. Like I'm going to be the best that I can be. And you sat down and you worked, you watched 10 to 15 extra hours of film a week, like on top of that with class and film study already that you guys are doing and practice like, A full day for a, for a college athlete is full. So for you to be able to find yeah. those extra two to three to four hours a day of losing yeah. sleep to go study it was is enough to to show that you are dedicated to everything that you want to do and obtaining your goals. So I would not call it a character flaw at all. I would call it motivation. And quite frankly, I would say that there's a lot of people out there who need to find what that motivating factor is for them because whatever makes yeah. you tick. it it makes you get into that next drive and make you get into that next part where like, you know what, F this barrier. I'm going to break through this because I'm going to become what I want to become because it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm not doing this for my friends. I'm not doing this for my family. I mean, well, no, I won't say that. I'm not doing this for my friends. I'm not doing this for my supporters, my haters. I'm doing this for me because this is what I want to do. And Kyle Slaughter wanted to play in the NFL and is right now a NFL uh, quarterback who has set a rookie record in, in the preseason records at Northern Colorado, and I can tell you this, a lot of people, maybe your freshman and sophomore and junior year of college when you were playing wide receiver didn't think that you were going to do it, but I can almost guarantee that you knew inside your heart that you are going to break records and be a great quarterback at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that was, you know, in in my heart, like, and I think that's one of the most important things is that everyone's going to have, I haven't heard of, even the best players, they all have, you know, stories of adversity and stories where people tell them that they can't do something. So, I mean, there's always going to be those people that, you know, try to bring you down or, you know, try to weigh on you, whatever it is. But I I think at the end of the day, what made me, set me apart a little bit was the fact that I always had that confidence. Like, you know, I I, want to say, like, my parents were always very big supporters of me, but you know, after four years of not playing, and me, I think we were sitting there watching Jalen Hurts play as a true freshman, and I'm like, I know that I could play at Alabama. Like, I know that that guy is not mm-hmm. better than me. And my my parents were like, No, Kyle, like you're not. Like you you haven't played in four years. Like, and I and I'm like sitting there like you can't blame them. Like that you haven't put on film. Like they're probably sitting there wondering like. You know, this dude's crazy for believing in himself. Like he hasn't played in four years. He's lost every quarterback battle he he's ever been in. Um, You know, I didn't have anything to back it up, so I can't blame anybody for not believing believing in me. And I don't hold it against them because you know, on the other side, I probably wouldn't have believed in that person. But having that belief in myself is what drove me. And and I knew the whole time that I could do it, and I, I was just really confident. And I think that. If you really have dreams and you have goals, it it shouldn't matter what anybody says. If if you are putting in the work, nobody can tell you anything. If you know in your heart that you're putting in the work and you're working your hardest every single day and there's not a thing that you can do more, nobody has any authority or input to weigh in on your life or tell you that you can't do something because you know you can. You're sitting there working on it and doing it every single day. You're trying your hardest. You know, I... And you know at the end of the day one of the things that drove me was you know whether it was football or something else like I knew that this adversity going through this whether it made me a better husband, father, businessman whatever it was I was going to get the rewards of working my butt off you know and uh, there was a time Absolutely. where I felt I felt like I had the talent to play football but at a certain time I was like you know it's probably not a realistic goal anymore but if I keep pushing if I keep like doing this every single day that you know, it's it's going to be easy to wake up from my job and go to work at 5 a.m. because I do it every single day. It's going to be when stuff gets tough at the office, like, I'm going to have faced way more adversity doing what I'm doing right now. I'm going to have faced way more people telling me that, you know, you can't do it. You're wrong for thinking this. You are you know, don't – I've never listened to those people. You know, I've always – you know, I, I shouldn't say that. I listen to it and I store it in the back of my head and I try to prove those people wrong every day. But I don't well, yeah, take And it's their... almost like they're
0: adding fuel to the fire. Exactly. Right? Like you're you're already motivated because you know I think the biggest thing that I'm that I'm hearing too is that you still maintain that confidence in yourself and that be that confidence was innate in you because one, you knew that you were capable of anything, right? And two, sure. when you put the hard work and the work ethic behind it and you're confident yeah. in what in yourself, like that's gonna give you even more confidence. So that way when you get to step out on that field, when the quarterback breaks his collarbone in front of you or when Paxton yep. Lynch goes down, you are, you're like, I, I was built for this baby. I'm here. Like yeah. I know I'm not coming in with anxiety or nerves. Like sure. I might be a little bit nervous cause it's my first NFL game and there's 80,000 people watching me. But at the end of the day, I get to go out here and, and I get to show what I've been working on my entire life. I just needed an opportunity. And throughout yep. your entire career it was almost like you just needed that one opportunity that one opportunity that one opportunity and and to yep. me like i believe in in god and he was like keep working kyle keep working kyle keep working yep. kyle keep working kyle keep working kyle and then your senior year came and he was like this is it like you worked your butt off at week one whatever week two this is where you take off and it yep. i mean your career has flourished since that week two game when you threw eight touchdowns and had a perfect passer rating and only threw five incompletions, right? Like, you tore that yeah. defense up, and ever since then, you've been tearing all defenses up because you know what you're doing. And, like, I, I, I'm just so proud of you, man. I mean, knowing you since we were, what, like, four or five years old, it's,
2: yeah, it's been really a journey. Young. And, and
0: <laughs> it's seriously, and quite frankly.
1: And quite frankly, bro, bro, And quite frankly, bro, I just I can't thank you enough for coming on today's show. And y'all, I know today's show was fantastic, in my opinion. I mean, Kyle was an awesome, awesome, awesome guest. And I can't thank him enough. But the way that you could thank us. But we gotta end today's show. Kyle will definitely be back on today's show at some points coming up soon. Kyle, I mean, Kyle's the epitome of motivation, proving people wrong. And like I said earlier, you guys got to hear from Donald, what, two weeks ago? And now you get to hear from Kyle. And it's two separate motivations, but at the end of the day, it shows you that your end goal can be obtained no matter what your motivation is, as long as you stay along your path and have trust and true motivation towards that. So again, Kyle, thank you so much. Y'all, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at underscore way. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's Millennial Talk. Y'all have a great day. And like I said, y'all got to do something nice for somebody today. It's one week, one day. It's winning Wednesday. Go win the day. Go make somebody else's day fantastic by doing one thing nice for them. DJ, take us out.
0: Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore way on Instagram and Twitter.